Joining us on a spooky Halloween Practical 365 is Sean Metcalf. With myself and Richard Dean. Welcome to the show, Sean. How are you feeling? Are you going to scare us? Uh, spooky, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I'm here to scare you. I am. Uh, I brought my Thor hammer so I can put the hammer down and explain uh, the problems, but also some solutions, nice. hopefully. Nice. So, nice. Uh, Excellent. Is it- is it going to be mostly tricks or treats? It'll be a treat for your security posture. Yeah, from security posture, uh, unfortunately, it's a lot of tricks these days. Uh, but hopefully, we can provide some treats as well to to keep things in a, a lighter tone. Excellent. Um, nice. All right, so we've got a few spooky things to ask you about, uh, but they are all kind of like serious. So these. Some of these things should be keeping people up at night, giving them the nightmares. And, in fact, some people are probably still not able to sleep because uh, bad things happen in the in the world of IT security. You can't see it. Uh, but uh, the first thing I wanted to ask about was, was your worst, and you must have a few, security horror stories that you wish had never happened. Oh, worst uh, security horror stories. I think a lot of it begins and ends with uh, regular users as admins. Um, that is definitely very scary. Um, I've seen a lot of different App Directory and Azure AD environments uh, during assessments with Trimark in, in a lot of different environments, and uh, certainly there are some that stick out in my mind. That feels like it's almost the most common thing that you're going to come across. People used to be admins, and you can still tell that they, they were or... They, they don't even realize that, or the, the person who's managing it now is doing a good job, but um, the IT director or somebody like that or some developers, they're still admins from back before things were tightened up. Well, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the biggest challenges with Active Directory is it's been around for 23 years now. And so we have seen environments that are 22, 23, 24 years old. And so in environments that are 20 plus years old, I mean, at that point, they can drink in the United States at 21, right? And so that means that there's a lot of interesting things, uh, keeping with the Halloween theme, effectively zombie type scenarios where these things that have been around forever can pop up again and, and cause problems. Uh, things like permissions that people have forgotten about, groups that have been delegated certain rights, either through group policy uh, or through permissions or a combination or through group nesting that is just a situation where things are, you know, group within a group, within a group, within a group. And that's that's kind of scary, too, because you end up in a situation where there can be highly privileged rights, but there are so many walls or rooms between the two that it's difficult to, to traipse through that and identify it. And, of course, with uh, attackers getting into environments fairly easily and operating without really any challenges, for the most part, in many environments, uh, we end up in a situation where, again, following the Halloween theme, the uh, the calls coming from within the house. Uh, you know, we Active Directory, what was developed in a time in the late 90s when there was no internet connectivity to companies. And it wasn't until probably the mid-2000s that a lot of companies started actually connecting to the internet. And that opened up the doors or, or, or say, you know, opened, opened up their, their house, their, their castle to a lot of things that were not planned for back in the, uh, the nineties and two thousands. I think the, the, the first active directory I built is still around. It will, de- it's definitely still around and in use today. And mm-hmm. that was, well, the, it was on a university network, which means that everything was on a public IP address with firewall 
rules in front of it, and and probably still, mm-hmm. still is it, as such, it was segmented, you know, mid mid two thousands. But it's not really a humble brag. It's more that that the advice on not giving yourself enterprise admin as an IT person. That's not. There's never a point where that was okay. At any point, there was good advice from Microsoft on how to design and manage groups, and uh, some of that may have changed. But even if you went back to 2001 or 2002, um, all, all of the core stuff around group policy and good management of it was was written, written then. Some of it's changed, but um, phrases like deny the apply and, and so on, it, some thinking went into it even then. I mean, I wouldn't like to understand its state today, you know, some years later. You know, what, why does it go so wrong? Uh, it's a great question. Why does it go so wrong? Um, Active Directory is infinitely customizable, as we know. And and with that customizability comes interesting challenges. I mean, we, we've looked at hundreds of environments. I've seen hundreds of environments probably at this point, And no two look the same. Why is that? Well, how is it possible that no two Active Directory environments look exactly the same? Because of that customiza- customization, that that ability to configure things the way you need them to be to meet business resources or business requirements. And at the same time, admins have their own uh, take on things. Uh, Microsoft has given advice. Sometimes it's been unclear. Sometimes it was wrong, like the root domain advice that we had in the early 2000s when Active Directory first came out. We still see a bunch of root domain environments where there's that that parent root domain that's domain.com and then it's child or more like prod.domain.com. Uh, Started off with the root domain <laughs> and then subdomains. And then right. at some point, probably about 2005, 2006, moved everything up into the, the root domain because it, it seemed pointless anyway. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we still see root domain um, where you have the the uh, domain.com and then prod.domain.com. Everything's in prod. And we do an assessment of that Act Directory environment. And the uh, domain.com uh, root domain has minimal to no auditing on it, has accounts that are vulnerable. It's been effectively ignored because the prod that that child domain is where everything is, where all the users are, where all the computers are, where all the resources are, all the applications. So that's where the focus is. But you you asked the question, Steve, where does it go wrong? I think it goes wrong over time. And I think that there are there are attacks that maybe if not practical were theoretical years ago where we've known that service accounts should use strong passwords. Um, we didn't have a great way to audit that or know that they were. Uh, we can certainly look at the 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 last time that password was changed. And if it was five or 10 or 15 or, or God forbid, 20 years ago, um, that's a problem. If it's yeah, 20 years ago, that was, uh, let's see, 2003. And I'm pretty sure most folks out there were using horrible passwords. I know I was. And so therefore that that password and, is is probably something that's very vulnerable to a password the same attack, account. such as password spraying. Yeah, probably the same account, yep. same password, and that that password is probably uh, yep. elsewhere as well. So where does it go wrong? Over time, there's the intent on how things are configured, the intent on how things are done, and then operational demands, fires, uh, you end up setting something temporarily, you end up giving someone access to make this yeah. one thing happen, then you adjust to another fire and, and move to that. I mean, I worked as an AD admin for, for many years, so I understand the challenges with just the way that AD administration was in, in the 2000s and the 2010s. And now it's even harder because of all the security issues that, that are around that, both from the how AD has been configured, 
but also because of all these things that have gotten layered into it. When you talk about cloud uh, hybrid cloud integration components, when you talk about uh, having enterprise password vaults or, or privilege access management systems uh, like CyberArk in there, all these things that connect into it. We've virtualized our, our DCs now onto VMware. Um, a scary story around that is, is having regular user accounts in an admin group yeah. for VMware in Active Directory. So now you have this thing that kind of loops back around. Uh, in 2022 at the Quest Tech Conference, I talked about defending the identity yeah. nexus. The identity nexus is this concept around how we connected all these things in interesting ways, thus a nexus of identity. We have on-prem identity, which is Active Directory. We have cloud identity, which for most people is Azure AD, now Entra ID. And how attackers can take advantage of those connections and move around them. And that is quite scary. That probably keeps people up at night for sure. I know it's it's an area that we keep looking at. We dig into it at Trimark and really try to ensure that we're looking at our customers and helping looking at their environment and helping them better understand how these things interconnect because it gets a bit challenging. Uh, one thing that I've I've asked customers um, over you know many times, and this includes some of the largest customers like Fortune 20 and beyond, is if you were to map out your authentication flow from your on-prem system, a workstation for a user, all the way up into the cloud to whatever that end cloud resource is, be it Exchange Online or Workday or Salesforce or what have you, what would that look like? And the scary thing is a lot of organizations can't answer that. And you say, well, why couldn't they? Well, there's federation that's involved in that. You have mobile device management that gets incorporated into that. And so, sure, if you're using... Azure AD, Entra ID, you may have conditional access policies, but do you know which ones don't apply because your MDM has a certificate on that device and that satisfies, in air quotes, uh, the MFA requirement that would normally be applied to get access to that resource? A lot of organizations don't know what that looks like. That's interesting. It reminds me of a question that came to me from uh, our pre-sale, one of our pre-sales uh, engineers at Quest, um, asking me to ask you about what he called zombie OUs and zombie devices living uh, in AD. And he said, "Is that is that something common that you see all over the place? Like we were talking about the twenty four Z- zombie, yeah. just basically a, a zombie, basically OUs. abandoned OUs." He was saying, Th- "This would be great if we come to Shaun of the Dead." Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. I, I know it's spelled differently. Exactly. Um, Basically, so zombie OUs and zombie devices, the ones that have been around and have been abandoned. Absolutely. I mean, there's a ton of OUs. Microsoft said from the beginning that an organizational unit should not map to or mirror your organizational chart, your org chart. Okay. Uh, however, a lot of organizations did that. Especially like, on their you know, We have this. Yeah, the early days of Act Directory, I think pretty much everybody yep. did that, unless they they had some well, Microsoft. Even in the early on, days, they probably didn't staff. have the attributes to fill in all those uh, uh, metadata, so they were like, "Let's build it into it, the it hierarchy." Helped with support, <laughs> sure. it was, you know, it made some sense. I mean, yeah. and it made you look like you got a. Be- it made some sense. It made you look like you're administering something, you know, and people did it on NDS yeah, right. as well, uh, and people picked their own. I had a customer last week, and they said, it's all now by office, but people don't work in the offices, so it makes no sense. So when we redo the structure, it'll be by department. <laughs> but yeah. it could just be flat. I, I, I love that point, Steve. It, it it was by office, and now it 
people aren't in the office, so it has to be by department. And and that's a perfect example of how these things go wrong and how these things change over time. Uh, if you look at the original design documentation for an Act Directory environment, and I talk about this with, with, with uh, customers, is that one of the things that we end up looking at uh, as part of the assessment of the environment is effectively the archaeology of Act Directory. Where was mm. it in 2000, 2005, sure. 2010? We can see those things through our tooling and our process and the artifacts that are there. Some of those artifacts are dangerous. When you have a regular user account that was originally the domain admin for the environment, and that was the account that actually created the computer objects for the domain controllers and then promoted them up, there are artifacts that that come with that. And if those domain controllers have just been in place, upgraded over time, uh, those probably still uh, have that user account as the owner on that computer object. And there are ways to to compromise the environment through that. So you talk about zombie uh, OU, zombo, zombie uh, computers. We also have a situation where we have artifacts of permissions, these sort of zombie permissions that have just kind of hung out for many, many years. So where do things go wrong? There's a lot of different areas where they go wrong. They, they go wrong with these things that have been done over time uh, with either the... Uh, the wrong approach or a misunderstanding of how something works, or again, getting back to this, uh, the theoretical has become practical. Uh, we have old passwords. We have old password strategies like keyboard mapping or keyboard walking where you're you're hitting 1Q, 2W, 3E, 4R. It looks random, very but it's random. Not. <laughs> However, it's not. It's a pattern to it. So anything with a pattern can be guessed by a computer, by an attacker. And attackers absolutely are using those keyboard walk, uh, keyboard mapping passwords. And I I saw them and used them also I mean, for service accounts, yeah. for the default domain administrator account, for all these things. So all of this kind of layers together and and shapes this thing and kind of gets wrapped over time following the theme like a mummy. And you end up with a situation where Active Directory can be a very scary place. It, it ends up being the, the haunted house that no one wants to stay in after dark because you don't know what's going to come at you. <laughs> I mean, the password manager bit is the hardest thing in the world. I talk to everyone that I can see, especially my family, and they still haven't adopted them. None of my children. They're younger and more internet on the internet more than me and they haven't adopted them. It's cybersecurity month and it's like part of the four main topics like password, you know, length and security and then password managers. Like it, it, it's I I tried this I, with one of my kids and, and she and I showed I said, look it this shows your password is gonna be cracked in 0.5 seconds. And she said, but dad it doesn't matter. It's got it's got two step authentication. You have to get an email with the code in. Isn't your password secure? Haven't you got all these things switched on? So, so you can have these conversations and your kids outsmart you in a way. So, well, I suppose, but that's not the point. And I only use it with that one. Well, I only use it with Roblox, so it doesn't matter. So, okay, yes, you're, you're telling me you've got different passwords for different well, apps. Okay, fine. What, uh, what am I yeah. supposed to do here? I still <laughs> know people this? on... I still know people, and I won't name them, that have secret passwords written down underneath things. So, like, like just like you see in the movies. It's, <laughs> it's funny you say that, Richard. Uh, so, uh, Trimark hosts the uh, Hacking Act Directory Village, or, or Identity Security Village, yes, as we call it now. And we've done that at, at Quest Tech the past couple of years, and, as well at other conferences like Blue Team Con and, and HDH, uh, which is actually next week in o Ohio. 
And one of the things that, that Daryl uh, Baker, who came up with this idea, has done is the first step of it is you look underneath your keyboard and yeah. there's a post-it note yeah. with the password Never there. Have a look. And so uh, it's, it's oh really meant to show I got one here. some real things Anyone remember happen. this one <laughs> <laughs> from every Microsoft training course in the early 2000s? Steve has one. <laughs> Uh, funny you say that, Steve. Uh, at one of my customer environments years ago, uh, we found a password in an attribute on uh, an Active Directory for a pro- highly privileged service account. And the person who set it up said, oh, well, that was in the training from Microsoft <laughs> that we had. That's, uh, that's, that's, or that's you where we do. had it for you to set up the lab. <laughs> right. That's where it was for the lab. So I... Uh- uh, yeah, these things are real. These things do happen, and they are all well, but, scary. You know, you've reminded me of one thing that probably many people have seen. But if you have started at somewhere, you might not know that this is in place. Where applic- on-prem line of business apps, the vendors would come in, and you you would always spend a lot of time arguing over the fact that you didn't want them to use the default password that they wanted to use for every service account. You wanted them to use the passwords that are changed, complex and long, and they almost always did not want to do this. And there must have been a time when I may have even just agreed to just sort it, well, sort it later. And then you realize that you cannot because it's been hard-coded into things by that point. So those kind of things are just sitting there. They're not passwords... um, they're not passwords on a post-it note, but they're passwords in a in a PDF that you could probably find on the internet somewhere. Right. Passwords I mean, are everywhere, and that's that's the big one of one of the biggest problems. I mean, you look at the Uber breach from last year, and they found the the CyberArk um, uh, password vault password. You, know, you gave admin rights in a password in a file that was on the on a share that the attacker found. And once they got into CyberArk, uh, the passwords for everything else were in there. So for Active Directory, Azure AD, um, the, the production systems, and and from there it was just the dominoes falling. And so passwords tend to be in the environment. And we have technology to make this easier. We have group managed service accounts, which can be tricky to configure in certain scenarios, uh, but you can look at attributes in Active Directory to see how old the passwords are for for the accounts and when they've been changed. Um, when we're looking at environments, we're cert- certainly looking at those accounts that are highly privileged, what we term as Active Directory admins, the, the most highly privileged uh, accounts in the environment. And again, this can be tricky because if you're just looking at the me- group membership, so who's in domain admins, who's in that domain administrators group, who's in enterprise admins, yeah, that gives you part of the story. But if there's groups that are nested inside those groups, that makes it a little more complex. Uh, sometimes we find user accounts in those groups, not as much as we used to, which is positive. Uh, but we see that like the curb TDT account password hasn't been changed since the organization started, spun up their active directory. So in some cases, that's 10, 15, 20 years old. And if an attacker has access to a domain controller backup from five, seven years ago, as long as it's, well, even then, it doesn't matter because it it goes back to the beginning. So any backup is going to have that information. So the attacker can leverage that to to create a golden ticket and then compromise the AD AD environment by impersonating anyone they want to. And then, you you know, keeping with the Halloween theme, that's the invasion of the body snatchers. So is passwordless not a solution? That's absolutely... So scary. Possession, yeah. Sorry, sorry. So is passwordless not the solution with gold because of golden tickets or um passwordless is, is a solution and gets us away from using passwords. Um it's it's better um because then you get to a point where you don't have passwords. But the challenge with that still is that 
that's how you authenticate to the system is passwordless, right? Um, technically, I authenticate to my system with passwordless because I'm using uh, Hello, uh, which which identifies yep. my face, or I can use a uh, FIDO2 uh, key like a YubiKey, and I can use passwordless into the into the system. Uh, but if I'm on a traditional AD Active Directory network, or I'm communicating with a file share, or I'm communicating with something on the on the network that uses Kerberos or NTLM, there's still a yeah, password yeah, hash that's absolutely. going across that network at some point. And that I mean that leads into the the N- NTLM uh, deprecation announcement and the future uh, announcements that is coming to server as well. Um, but Kerberos isn't you know the silver bullet either. So, you know, do you see do you see this as a hard transition or, uh, you know, there's a lot of apps out there that maybe even have this hard coded NTLM. I don't know why I can't say that today. It's it's Halloween. NTLM. NTLM. Absolutely. NTLM. Thanks. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely a challenge to to move away from NTLM, and certainly there's been a lot of pen test reports out there that say you know disable NTLM, and that's pretty much impossible because of the way that uh, the protocols have been configured in the past. I'm glad to see Microsoft moving in this direction. Uh, certainly, Steve Seifus and the team over on the Act Directory side have been working on this for a while. Uh, Ned Pyle has been complaining about it for a while, so there's been a lot of work you know, yeah. under the covers kind of at the core level to figure out how this could be done because it's it's such a big problem. Effectively, any version of NTLM can be relayed some way or another in most environments. So, yes, we want to get rid of it. Um, now, there's an asterisk behind what I just said, but in most environments is, is the key there. And then you move to Kerberos. Yeah. Okay, but there's things that you have to harden up around that as well. Um, we're still not seeing uh, customers use protected users for their AD admin accounts, if any admin accounts. We're still not seeing uh, things like Kerberos Fast, uh, which is the arm- Kerberos armoring being enabled. Uh, there's and, and of course, um, channel binding uh, and, and other things to harden communications are not being done. Why? Uh, the ironic thing here is a lot of the reasons why these these additional hardenings of the protocol are using the newer protocols like SMBV3 uh, is because of the requirements of a lot of older devices that use Nix, uh, so versions of Linux or Unix or, or something similar, even on the Mac side. Are, don't understand those protocols. And so the biggest thing that we've seen are these appliances that may not support NTLM. Uh, I mean, Samba supported uh, for a long, long time, hasn't it? If you were keeping your... Yeah. Samba has been It's been around. around for a long, long time, but Samba supported... Um, Agreed. I mean, I, I, I think the last time I, I looked, it's in the last year, things had somewhat slowed down in, in what they were doing and maybe some of the... They were quite busy over the years with interactions with Microsoft, but they they support modern NTLM protocols. It's just people might not be updating the like if they're not a, a Unix expert or whatever, they might not be updating the distributions because it supports an application. And I, it's just I'll running tell you one of the biggest issues we've seen with- ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it, you're right. It's the older integration components for these systems, for these these core libraries on the on the Nix side. And one of the things that we've seen where customers can't get away from SMBV1 is because of something like NetApp. You have a NetApp device, a filer, they can't get the more recent the, the more recent version mm-hmm, of uh, mm-hmm. ONTAP, which is not that recent in order to support uh, NTLM v2, in order to support SMBV1 uh, v2 and and newer. Um, 
the reason for that is you end up with this filer that has had all of these important file shares and, and data on it that's being used by some really important folks. And that's why it hasn't been got, they haven't gotten to that yet. And then you end, a, in a, you end up in a situation where these filers stick around for years and moving off of those, you've got to yeah. stand up a new one, migrate over to it. And it just can't get to the newer version of ONTAP. Um, that is one of the biggest reasons that we've seen. And so we end up working with our customers to help them phase through that approach, set up auditing uh, on the domain controllers to see what's, what's still talking SMB V1, see what's talking NTLM uh, V1, V2, get an understanding what that is, and then work through piloting and working, you know, moving away from those things. I can't solve the problem where DCs are still running 2003 or if there's NT4 in the environment or if there's Windows XP. I can't solve those things, but we can help our customers better understand what the uh, ramifications are and what that actually means and how to how to shift away from that as best as possible. Uh, one of the things that we've recommended for customers is actually having a forest yeah. for legacy now. Um, where those things just, they can't go away. So let's move them into another forest that is legacy, has legacy protocols. But and you segment all can, the critical assets into risk. its own forest. Right. Yeah, sure. Like a, like a lifeboat. So you almost. end up with like one yeah. for, yeah, you end up with one for manufacturing, one for legacy, that's, one for your primary production corporate environment. Um, and that way, yeah, it's another forest that's a pain, but at least you can start leveling well, up the uh, things from a recovery that you, know that you can control perspective alone. Like it's got to be, more beneficial to do it that way with the risk and the legacy protocols. So, oh, absolutely, and there's tremendous risk. I mean, when you're talking about basically and, auto auto own environments, and, and, and the, the the reasoning that I'm hearing is they're they're saying these are business critical, so I can't do. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. the typical reasoning. Yeah, and then you, yeah, it's and it's sure. it's a challenge. I mean, when you have it, when you have a system that or a device that is the thing that is stopping all these things uh, from happening, it's not because people don't want to move off of it. It's because, yeah, yeah the, the folks that are using it are the people that are the money makers, yeah. or it's the system that you know is making a million dollars a minute yeah. in yeah. that company. I mean, yeah. yeah, go ahead, Steve. Sorry, but yeah, you know, or they bought it ten years ago. Company doesn't exist anymore. Runs the manufacturing plant. Oh, all, you know, or exactly. There's no other yeah. need to upgrade it other than. This, which doesn't seem, how, how would you justify this on its own when you've got that other option of putting it off, carving it out, right. putting a wall around it? If you gave, if you gave the, the CEO a choice and weighed up the risk with them, what would they choose? And it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, now I, I have mean, a question. The larger, actually. the larger organizations, I think, are the ones that are going to lean towards that type of real security. It's tougher, much tougher for the SMB for sure. Um, well, yeah. absolutely. It, it is tougher for the SMB, but also they, they tend to have less of those kind of legacy yeah. issues. And they can move to the cloud um, easier as well. Too. Sure. Yeah. There's more mid-sized customers, not specifically SMBs, but you know, um, many mm -hmm. customers of, you know, hundred to 500 to a thousand users who have a real opportunity to, move and if not got as in you know the manufacturing plant runs off an app that runs on something that needs an ad then they've got a, a much stronger case for moving to completely um as your ad managed devices and many do sometimes they might want not want to do that though they might so some customers straight i say strangely says the person who still runs a, several file servers running sandbag in his garage 
As it's straight, <laughs> if it, but I wouldn't want it for work. It's you know, I, I wouldn't want want. I wouldn't want to manage it. There's when so many dropped. bad practices out there, just in like still today. <laughs> I'm that I hear from people in other places, like still with systems under their desks, like yeah. and stuff like that. Well, I'm that, sure. maybe, but but <laughs> the, there is still some part of every IT professional, I think, where you like getting your hands on the tin. You know, and some some of that does influence keeping a bit behind. Or you know, I've, I've had customers who are quite pleased that they've recently upgraded their virtual infrastructure and plan to keep that for a while and get the most out of it. When probably they should, may have, there may have been an inkling where they thought maybe we just renew the support this year and try and run this down as much as we can. But there was budget, so they did, and it's kind of natural in a way. But who are you serving when you do that? Right. And you mentioned virtual infrastructure. I mean, VMware is, is something that, that a lot of organizations have. And I, I would venture to guess uh, most of size have it. And uh, with VMware, that's another thing where it's kind of set up and forgotten about. Um, we, we do virtu virtual uh, security assessments of VMware, and that infrastructure is is just as problematic as Active Directory. Every mid-market customer. Problematic as the others are. Yeah. I, I, absolutely, and so it's. I don't it's think enterprise customers would. There weren't because they, a lot they, of... they're going to bought um, all of the capabilities to tell them when to upgrade, automatically upgrade. But if you had a consultancy come yeah, and install it, the problem it, there is th those folks they never really yeah, managed it. Yeah, they just wanted it to run stuff. You're right. They, no. they they haven't managed it. And the other problem is that the servers that they stood up uh, ESXi on don't have TPM chips, which means a significant portion of the security. In, available in the VMware stack just isn't there to, to to turn on. One of the biggest issues we've seen on VMware uh, ESXi hosts is there may be 20 ESXi servers, uh, and 18 of those are configured perfectly the same. The other two are not. And of course, that's a pathway in, especially when you have a virtualized vCenter server or you know you, you have access to DCUI, which is kind of that hidden uh, menu of options within VMware where you can select which things get turned on and off. Uh, and then again, as as uh, I've talked about before, is you end up in a situation where you have the, your VMware admins group, which is an Active Directory, and you have regular users in that. We see that way, way too often in assessments. And then you have this circular thing where a user in Active Directory becomes an admin in VMware, who then uh, VMware is, is hosting the domain controller, so you virtualize DCs, and then they can go ahead and snapshot the uh, the DIT off the DC or even turn one off. Uh, this is my favorite attack, turn one off um, temporarily, offline edit the DIT, um, in the in the virtual yeah. uh, in the virtual disk, and go ahead and and make a modification so that uh, certain accounts or even even all all users are domain admins on that one domain controller, and set it to not replicate. And so that way, you actually can just target that one domain controller and be a domain admin, but all the other domain controllers domain admins has one account in it per se. But and that's not I bet that's not even that hard to do. I mean, you could probably up. You just need to. I mean, it's it's complex to some of the to, yeah. To some of the KVM tools this. are going to get you access to the disk. You could just upload or SSH to to it and start. I mean, you obviously know once you've got past that point, you need to then have the right tools to do it. But the theory should have been that you shouldn't be able to edit a disk from the ESXi host, but you you know directly access it and mount it. But of course, you could just upload binaries to do that, couldn't you? It's 
and the problem is most most companies that are running VMware is are they're counting on the uh, storage to encrypt, which helps one problem, but doesn't help uh, prevent against malicious uh, VMware admin. And so things like having that TPM chip on the ESXi host are the things that help solve that problem. But again, the majority of, of systems out there just don't have it. And so you have core security that's lacking on the VMware side. And VMware continues to upgrade yeah, from 7 to 8. A lot of these security capabilities are getting baked in, are getting better. VMware is getting more secure. The problem is the implementation, the deployment of it isn't there. It's just like a, a, a talk I did at Black Hat, I think it was in 2018, Black Hat and DEF CON, around attacking administration. And I talked about how to bypass MFA in a lot of organizations, uh, MFA being Duo and Active Directory. Um, bypassing and, and compromising the uh, the CyberArk server. And I had someone come over to me and say, yes, yeah, CyberArk actually has some recommendations around how this should look, but the implementations aren't configured correctly. And I think that's where we're, we're you know, what went wrong, going back to your question, Steve, implementation, the, the devil's in the details, as my mom has always said. Yeah, if you don't pay attention to the details, uh, things like passwords in a file that, that are available on the on the system and somewhere in the environment uh, become a big issue, uh, like we mentioned in the Uber breach last year. Things like uh, having an Okta integration system uh, end up being something that the attacker takes advantage of and can pull uh, plain text passwords out of, which we've seen, uh, at least according to the attacker with the MGM breach. So we have these situations that are real world problems. Uh, we have regular user accounts. We're still seeing regular users that are that are uh, members of global administrators in Azure AD, Entra ID. So we're, we continue, and that's the other problem. We're, we continue to, to do these same problems, these same sins of the past that we did on-prem in the cloud environment as well. I mean, I, I know we, I, I, I know we talked about ESX. It's a generational thing. But <laughs> I, I have, you know, I've seen documentation say not to do this clearly, but Hyper-V, people have bought Hyper-V. You can mix the two the other way around. Domain controllers on ESX, but, well, I suppose <laughs> Hyper-V on a domain controller, or is it a domain controller on, on Hyper-V? Because I suppose it's in the root operating system. So tomato, tomato, it's, it happens though, doesn't it? And you would not right. think it. You you know, you, okay, I've done this myself at home in the lab to throw something together and then destroyed it afterwards, as many people have. But there's people who've done this and not really thought anything of it. And the, there's things that are obvious that, and this is the, the, the I love the word counterintuitive, right? You, you go, it's counterintuitive. You wouldn't think that this is the way it is because it would make sense that it's not that way, but this is the way it is, right? A lot of times when we're talking about these things, um, the Microsoft way of doing something seems counterintuitive. And so it's it's like when you have the group policy setting that's a a not in order to get an and in order to get it correct. you, you know and and there's two knots to make it a a true. yeah, and that gets confusing yeah. in group policy. Uh, but my point is around a lot of things seem obvious in retrospect. Sometimes you have to highlight this as an issue and you go, oh, well, of course we shouldn't do that. You know, of course we should make sure that our passwords are, are not five years old. And then NIST comes out and Microsoft comes out with guidance that, yeah, you shouldn't change your passwords anymore with an asterisk behind it. That asterisk is that we need to have some sort of system to prevent users from putting in obviously bad passwords like winter 2023 or winter 2023 exclamation point, which a lot of people are using right now. 
and will be using next month and will be using December. Why do we know this? We know this because the the pen testers and red teamers are using those and, and gaining access to systems with that. Well, we want to be cognizant of, of Sean's time. Yes. Um, I think we should uh, a- ask him the last question we really wanted to talk to him about is, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about this earlier is there's so much information and everyone's mired in all this information and people, not that they're not doing enough, but they, maybe they can't do enough, you know, cause they are buried. Um, have you encountered any nightmare scenarios where they've deployed all these advanced tools, you know, that they've bought and paid for, but they're still getting caught with the simplest of issues. I, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's like I said, we, we, we don't see, here's the problem. We don't see many environments that are very well managed from an Act Directory standpoint, from an Act Directory security standpoint. I should say security standpoint. We've seen some very well managed Act Directory environments, but have security issues because a lot of these security issues aren't things that admins are necessarily focused on because it changes mm-hmm. over time. Uh, I live and breathe this stuff 24-7. My team does as well. So it's it's obvious to us, but not obvious to others as my dad used to say it's easy when you know how (laughs) and so Uh great question around this you could do all the things right and have one thing that where you miss on and then that gives the attacker the the advantage Um, we've seen an environment recently where pretty much everything was managed well in act directory from a security standpoint but something like a user account is a member of a group that has highly privileged rights or someone decided years ago to go ahead and give uh, a, a group specific specifically highly privileged rights through a user rights assignment in a group policy that applies to a domain controller or a domain controller's OU, and through that, they have additional access. Uh, we've seen that as well. So how do people really go through and get these things fixed? Uh, we published a white paper on how to how to improve Active Directory security quickly uh, without having to really make a big lift. And going through that white paper, it's on hub.trimarksecurity.com. It's free. There's no registration required. But it's basically, you can perform your own uh, Act Directory security review with uh, a PowerShell script that we provided. You can go ahead and walk through those those uh, options, those those settings and and configurations that we have in this this long this in depth white paper. It's about thirty pages uh, that that talks through these things and walks through how to do them. Um, that levels up the act the security of the Act Directory pretty pretty well. Let me ask yes. you a question about that then. So, literally today. Um, on a call with a customer and they said, you know, Steve, we're bringing this, we're bringing this company and they do have an AD. And what the plan is, you know, as, as you know, we're going to bring them to Azure AD only. We'll, we'll leave that active directory behind. We'll move the files off the file server over in that part of the, the company. But the folk in that company, even though it's only 30 people or so, so they're not going to actively manage it. They say, well, we'd like to have an AD. Can't we Can't we build out a new Active Directory? Now, obviously, you know, we had a conversation. It's like, good, I'm glad you said that. I don't want to build one out either. I'm glad I can go back. I'll go back to them and say, we've got the advice. Let's not do that. Um, so he wasn't planning to, to, you know, to, to be fair to this chap. But say they they refused. And they, or they went out and built the the thirty user company. They said, "Well, we'll get our small local consultancy to build one for us, um, and you must use that." If if they followed that guidance, would that help get that new AD a little bit better than it would be at first installation? Um, 
or is it for an existing or enterprise customer really to, to follow? Uh, I, I think it would work for anybody, really. Uh, the, the challenge is that today, I uh, as a Microsoft certified master in Act Directory, I wouldn't necessarily re- recommend that anyone stand up a new Act Directory environment unless they have a hard, fast requirement to do so. Well, yeah, obviously that well, was that's that's <laughs> that was one. exactly number yeah. two. Watch is any I security prefer, conference. <laughs> yeah, I much prefer that someone use, uh, say, a managed Act Directory that's in Azure or, or that's in um, yeah. uh, Microsoft puts together in Azure, Azure AD Domain Services, uh, something like. Uh, Amazon's AWS Manage AD, uh, GCP's Manage AD, that would be preferable because that way there's there's less of an attack surface. The domain controllers are managed by them. The, the system itself is managed by them. You're just a user within that, but it's your, your AD environment. Um, with that said, AD is going to be around for a while. We're seeing Active Directory yep. being deployed in manufacturing environments that are never going cloud. Uh, more and more ICS systems and more and more of these, these systems that run the robots in, in manufacturing are actually Windows or Windows derivatives, uh, you know, the Windows CE effectively these days. Uh, the other part of it that's very interesting is we've worked with companies that do energy and pipelines, and Honeywell has an Act Directory environment for that specifically. So in a lot of these disconnected type environments, Act Directory is going to have a play, is going to be present, and still needs to be secured. So... Active yeah. Directory is going to be around. Uh, one of the most common questions we get is, we have Active Directory, we have Azure AD, we want to migrate from Active Directory to Azure AD. Unless you can identify and be certain that every application that you have doesn't have a hard, fast requirement on Kerberos, on NTLM, or on LDAP, if any of those things are po- are, are likely or, or, or prevalent where you have an application that has one of those requirements, you're going to have an Active Directory of some sort around until you can move an application to federation or to cloud authentication. Or spend the money to redesign it and move it to the cloud or well, yeah, right. find many an companies alternative. Do have, many companies do have a SaaS strategy. And if you're working for a business mm-hmm. and they don't, then that's probably unusual. You know, from from talk, you know, talking to people where when they're looking to upgrade or replace a line of business application, then there will be a SaaS first strategy. So they'll be looking for a cloud based version rather than having an intent to install whatever the next version is. It seems to me that it's often where I can think of reasons why we've had to stand up an AD because they wanted a vSphere environment. Ironically, as you said, but the old line of business applications that planning on replacing a four million pound financial system at this moment in time, it may be some time in the future. But that SaaS strategy, if you don't have one, you know, it needs to start well in advance of planning to get rid of that AD. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, we, and we so- had some customers who use Azure Active Directory. To, I, I'm not sure whether they what do you call ADDS. Uh, or Azure Active, Azure Active Directory, Azure AD, domain, uh, domain services. services. No, it's yeah. Entra. But yeah. uh, Entra ID domain services, I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll <laughs> I don't know if that's that been named yet. We'll see. It, it might be no, it domain services. Um, uh, so to, just to close out on the yeah. um, the horror story, so a, a few things that are that are absolutely horrific that we've seen. Um, old passwords on accounts that are members of domain uh, domain admins or equivalent. Um, user accounts in domain admins or equivalent through a nested group typically uh, or a, a an account with a Kerberos service principal name, but it's a person's account and it has an old password. So uh, the, the attack method Kerberos is, is capable through that. Um, things like uh, principal or service running on domain controller still 
Uh, it used to just be, hey, if you have unconstrained delegation and you have that, that's a problem. Now, really, principal or running on any domain controller is is going to be vulnerable and have problems. Another big horror story is around old versions of VMware tools on domain controllers. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. something we see pretty regularly. We've even seen um, versions that go back five, six, seven years of VM tools. And the problem with that is you upgrade your ESX uh, iHosts, and now you have that newer version of VMware uh, VM tools available for those uh, VMs that are on that host. But people forget to go back and, and upgrade them. And certainly on domain controllers, they they have to be. Uh, so those are kind of the top things that are probably the scariest things to me. Um, the probably some of the most prevalent ones that we see. Uh, we see a lot of very scary, crazy stuff. Uh, so certainly, if if people have concerns about their AD or Azure AD or VMware environment, uh, Trimark's here for you. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, thank you very much Steve? for for joining us on the show. So yeah, so uh, Trimark, you are founder and CTO. Is that That's right? right. Yeah. So you know a lot about this stuff, but you, I, I I don't know whether to to to, to feel sorry for the, the amount of trouble that you must get into because having been involved in a few, I don't necessarily want to be involved in anymore. So you you must um, you must have a, a strong stomach for horror movies. Um, <laughs> it sounds like a, a week could be like uh, being you know watching Saw. Or something like that. As you you watch uh, <laughs> somebody try and put back together an Active Directory right. environment again. It's all right. We just rebuilt the domain controllers. We're fine. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I'd say, it, Steve, it's probably you can characterize my personality more around of in, enjoying puzzles, and yeah. it, I really enjoy helping people. Um, and in the past, yeah. I I put out on on my Twitter account um, that I've been. Uh, help uh, available to help folks in operations shift over to security. So I've uh, worked with a, a bunch of people in that area, um, looking at the puzzles that is security. This this thing that I call the identity nexus, how these things connect. Um, you know, one of the things we talked about just before we went uh, live, recorded on the on this was around uh, the concept of what are the things that people really should be concerned about or looking at. And really it comes down to these, these hybrid cloud comp- component integration, such as uh, the, the now intra ID connect, which was Azure AD connect, uh, which synchronizes AD and, and Azure AD uh, things like OctaSync. Uh, these cloud integration components are getting deployed and put into place. And there are some security ramifications whenever you're yeah. connecting these things together. Um, we have new capabilities coming with the newer version of Azure, uh, of, of Active Directory Domain Services and, and Entra ID, things that could look like trust that could be interesting. Um, there's a lot of things that are happening and the security implications of all these are not fully understood. And I think an important point you make is you've been there, but also... Well, I, I can sort of read into this. It's we're not because we're not laughing. We've not really laughed at anybody for being the person mm-hmm. that's done that. Um, mm-hmm. You have empathy for that situation because mm-hmm. you've been in similar ones yourself, and you know how worrying that feels. Not not necessarily even for your job, but you've got you've got to put Humpty back together again. You know, you've got to mm-hmm. you've got to get everything sorted, and the pressure's on. And sometimes you get somebody in, and they just go, go Well, I'm an, I'm from a big consultancy, and I've got all these things to say that are not particularly helpful. And really, you want to be that you, you want to get that person in that is just going to get stuck in and help you fix it, and give you good advice. And at the end, you, you know, it, it's it should be a tiring experience probably for you and them to to fix things, but everybody comes out better. Um, but it's, I suppose when you, it's, 
if you saw somebody that needed help, you would do the same thing. It's like that, isn't it? It's not mm-hmm. that you're a masochist. You just want to see it over and over again. You, right. just, you just wouldn't want to be No, I, I want to see things fixed. And that's yeah. that's one of the reasons why the, most of the folks at, at Trimark that, that perform assessments have come from operations, shifted over security. And the majority of the, them have worked a decade or more, many of whom 15, 16 years in, on these systems. And so... We have a lot of empathy about it because we've been there in the trenches. We've administered, yeah. managed, uh, secured these systems and understand the challenges of of managing Act Directory in 2023, managing Azure AD in, in, in the current time frame, managing VMware, where there hasn't really been the guidance, at least for Act Directory. I, I put out adsecurity.org you know, many years ago, and others have uh, put out a lot of information. So there's information there to help get these things better. Um, Azure AD is constantly changing. Now it's Enter ID, new name, same security challenges. And that's something that continues with us is that the other challenge that I see that's a big one and, and people forget about is uh, AD admins five years ago, they had Active Directory to contend with. Uh, now they have Active Directory and they have Azure AD and ID. So they have two systems they need to manage for most for most folks. And maybe they've got VMware along and the way more. too, you know, and, and more, yeah. exactly. Now, maybe they also have to manage Azure. So they end up yeah. with Active Directory, Azure AD, they end up with VMware and Azure. And so they have these four and systems. identities everywhere. Identities yeah. As yeah. everywhere. I mean, AWS has identity. VMware, to an extent, yeah. has identity. Everything is now an identity. Everything basically. is identity. And when everything's and, an identity, and, it all connects together. soon we're going to have bots. I mean, real robots that are identities plugged into these mm-hmm. directories and every other kind of imaginable thing. Yeah. I mean, watches, everything. You're absolutely right. Like, we have AI <laughs> real I- identities as well. Yes. And so the ghosts yeah, really absolutely. truly will be in the, on the, in the, truly will be in the machines. <laughs> oh, yeah. dear. Yeah. I mean, we could talk all day. Absolutely. I'd love to get your thoughts on all the AI stuff. Oh, have and me like, come back. Absolutely. Yes, we'll have you come threat, back. You know, deception threat, yep. you know, and all the new stuff coming out. So, yeah, yes. for sure. We should, yeah. should do should, should yeah. a bonfire. Well, it's, you, I got you to have in the US a bonfire night episode uh, where, where we can set um, the Houses of Parliament, metaphorically speaking, on fire. <laughs> with, uh, but maybe the come, 5th of November? Yeah, Is that what you're saying? Yeah, November, or, or maybe, yeah. maybe come back. Um, yes. Things to worry about while you go off for Christmas would be a good <laughs> oh, one as well. Yeah. Guy Fox. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Sean. Show, yeah. For sure. Well, thank yeah. you very much for having me, thank Steve. You. Richard, I appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers. Yeah, no, thank you, Sean. Thanks very Cheers. much.